everyone, and welcome to this first episode of This Month in Entrepreneurship, or better known as the TMI podcast. I am your host, Ashley Rocker Priori. And I'm Joshua White. So for today's episode, we have Peter Klein, who is the current chair of the entrepreneurship division for AOM. Peter is also a chaired professor and department head for the entrepreneurship and corporate innovations department at Baylor University. He's published in management journals, entrepreneurship journals, you name it, and is actually on a five-year cycle for this executive committee. So for those that don't know how the executive committee for AOM works, it's on a rolling five-year cycle. So people will come in and volunteer their time in a role and slowly make their way up through to Peter's current role, which is current chair. So this is technically Peter's fourth year in the executive committee. Next year, he'll move into his fifth and final year as past chair. And we will have chair elect, who is Sarah Jack, become our chair for the division. So through the last four years, and even longer than that, Peter has been volunteering for the division and has a great idea of what the division is all about and can offer some really good insights to us as PhD students of what we can expect and what we can get out of the entrepreneurship division. So we want to welcome him to today's episode and thank him for being here. We really appreciate from our perspective how receptive the division is to these ideas. You know, jumping on this podcast even, we really appreciate that. Before we get into all deep questions, we're going to start with our icebreaker question, which is a question we're going to start at every episode or almost every episode. So your question for today, are you ready? I'm ready. You had to survive in the wild. What's one tool you'd bring? Ooh, boy, that is a good question. Um, I'd bring a really big axe, not because I actually know how to use it to kill animals or chop down trees, but because that seems really cool. It's like, you know, being stuck out in the woods fantasy camp. I'd have some kind of gigantic bladed implement and I'd be slashing. I'd be swinging it around. I'd be hitting stuff. Maybe I, maybe I would hit myself and not last very long, but that seems like a cool thing to have. So you said you might not last very long. How long do you actually think you last before you'd have to call someone to come get you? <laughs> That's a good question. Yeah. Uh, and and it, you presume that I would stay within cell tower range, which is kind of <laughs> a reasonable thing to, to presume. But yeah, I don't think I would last very long. When I run out of snacks that I have in my pocket or, or my backpack, I'd probably be on that phone. The truth is I was in the Boy Scouts as a, as a kid. I, w- I even got my Eagle Scout certification. And, and some of that involved, you know, well, certainly building fires and, and surviving overnight, you know, building a structure or something like that. But I don't remember that we did very much in terms of getting our own food. But one of the great things about being older and, and living in civilization is that I was able to suppress all of those, uh, all of that knowledge about how to survive out in the wild and focus on fun things like what we get to do for a living in our, in our jobs. Uh, why don't you bring us through what you actually do with the entrepreneurship division? Since season one is all about the entrepreneurship division and getting to know it more, why don't you take us through kind of what you do there, what's your role entail, that kind of thing? Yeah, well, the entrepreneurship division, like a lot of other academic societies, and actually in some sense, like our journals too, I mean, it's an interesting hybrid kind of organization. 
where you have some specialized, you know, paid professionals, the full-time professional staff of AOM, they help with the conferences, they help with producing journals and so forth. But the bulk of the work is done by people like us. We are, you know, unpaid volunteers, faculty, doctoral students, and other people who, you know, do the work of organizing the review process and putting the program together and arranging sessions. And um, for example, as program chair, you get to organize the plenary session and you get to, um, as program chair and, and PDW chair, you get to decide which symposia and which PDWs look fun and exciting and you want to put on the program. But of course, there's also just sort of the mechanistic work associated with running, you know, the day-to-day operations of the division. Um, Peter, I was going to ask you, um, how did you make the decision to get involved uh, with the division? At what point, where were you in your career? What was that process like? Tell us, you know, your journey from there till now. Yeah, that's a great question. So um, I I did serve as a representative at large. Uh, I don't, let's see, I think I was probably um, kind of middle career. So I think I already had tenure before I served as a rep at large. At the very end of my assistant professor uh, time, or maybe just after becoming a tenured associate professor, is is when I got involved. And probably because as an you know as a as a PhD student as and as an untenured assistant professor. You know, I had my eye on the prize of, you know, the big T, and I didn't want to do too much that would take away from that. But then one of the advantages of a little bit more seniority in your career, I mean, obviously having tenure, when you get a little bit, you kind of in the middle of your career, you, you kind of want to give back. And of course, you get asked to do more things too. I mean, at some point, you just feel a moral obligation to give back at an appropriate level and at an appropriate time in your career. So... The big part about this podcast is it being for the students, by the students, right? So that's why Joshua and I and our other co-host, Alex, who is taking his last day of comps today. So wishing good luck to Alex. Good luck, Alex. But one of the things we want to make sure we address on the podcast is opportunities for PhD students. So as the chair, what do you see as some of the opportunities for PhD students to get involved in the division and kind of gain more experience in this field? Yeah, that's a great question. And I appreciate you asking. Um, The short answer is we need PhD students to be involved at many different, you know, on multiple levels in many different parts of the activities of the division, you know, because you guys are the future of the division and the future of the field. And we need your energy and enthusiasm. And, uh, uh, you know, we need the ideas that you bring to the table. However, there are lots of formal roles on the executive committee and less formal roles for which doctoral student participation is super, super important. I mean, what we're doing now is a good example right? I mean, it was the doctoral students who had the initiative and wherewithal to put this podcast series together. A lot of the special, you know, the particular committees uh, as part of the, uh, in the entrepreneurship division, uh, membership, uh, putting together things for international scholars, working on the doctoral consortium, other consortia for mid-career scholars and senior scholars and so forth. Um, You know, these are all uh, activities where it's great to have doctoral students 
uh, helping at a number of different levels. But but I don't mean that you guys do the grunt work. I mean that you guys help us with visioning and and design and execution because you kind of know what's going on in a way that we don't, especially for things like, you know, putting together programs that would add value for doctoral students, like the doctoral student consortium. I mean, we have a sense of what we think from the, especially, you know, the more senior people in the profession, well, we think doctoral students need this, this, and that, but we may be somewhat disconnected from what's going on in the ground, you know, in your particular doctoral programs. The job market is a great example. I mean, helping you guys to get ready for the job market is a huge part of doctoral training. And that's where we need PhD student volunteers who can say, no, 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 this is the way it ought to be run. Here's what we're seeing. Here's how the market appears to us. This is the kind of advice and, and you know, network access or whatever that we feel like we need. So we really do want doctoral students involved you know, at all levels of the process. So I'd say for you guys at this stage, you want to you know, do enough that you kind of learn how things work because that's useful for you to know. But please don't feel obligated to do tons of reviewing, tons of editing, tons of service, whatever it might be, if it detracts from you hitting your own career you know, objectives. In terms of those opportunities that you were mentioning, where is the best source for PhD students to find those opportunities? Yeah. So, um, of course, the Entrepreneurship Division website describes all the formalities, the committee structure, and so forth. But really, reaching out to any members of the executive committee, the chair, the chair-elect, the program chair, and say, hey, you know, I would like to get more involved as a volunteer in working with one of the committees or working on a specific task, or we have an idea for something new that the division's not currently doing. Just reach out. I mean, to me, any, anybody listening to this podcast is welcome to contact me and, and we can talk about some of those opportunities. And, you know, it's good to take a look at the division website. As I said, you can see a list and sort of a description of all of the formal roles, the committees and subcommittees and so forth and what they do. So if there's a particular interest area that a, a doctoral student has, uh, we can certainly help to find something that both meets your interests and is appropriate for your experiences, but also that is, you know, adds value to the division. But just reach out to anybody on the executive committee and we can steer you in the right direction. So is there any advice you'd have for PhD students of maybe best practices or things not to do when reaching out to these folks, like, or anybody in the field? Yeah. Um, look, I mean, like anything else in life, right? You, you know, having the right attitude, I want to help. Um, you know, there, there's, I would really love to do this thing, but I'm willing to do these other things, right? I mean, it may not be possible to put you in exactly the slot that, uh, you know, most meets your particular interests. So I guess, you know, there's kind of a happy medium. So if someone, whether it's a PhD student or really anybody in the profession wants to volunteer to work with, you know, on something, some division activity, if you say, if you contact me and I say, well, what are you most interested in? You say, anything. I don't care. I'll do anything. I mean, at one level, that's great. But I mean, that's sort of less useful because then I don't have a sense of what you're into or what you're interested in. What's your passion? What did you do before you started school? What skills do you have? You know, at the other extreme, somebody says, well, I want to do this. And that's the only thing I'm interested and willing to do. Well, I mean, that may not be a match for the division's current needs. So something in the middle 
you know, coming to that conversation with, you know, a general willingness to help, but also with some specifics. Hey, here are some skills that I have. You know, before I went into the PhD program, I was in event planning. You know, gee, that's really useful. Or before I became a PhD student, I was an entrepreneur. I was a consultant. I worked in a firm with, you know, doing these kinds of things. Or, you know, my dissertation is about whatever family firms and family business. If there's any way that that research interest would be particularly useful, you know, that's great. Um, That helps us to find a match between what you would like to do and what we have a need for. Um, in terms of the future of the division, you know, where do you see the division heading going forward? Well, I mean, we are one of the fastest growing divisions in the academy. Uh, we're now the third largest division in total membership. And I didn't track for just doctoral students, but I imagine we're, if not third, we're pretty, pretty close to that in terms of doctoral student membership. Now, if those trends continue, I mean, there was a little COVID blip across all academy divisions in terms of membership. But if those trends continue, I mean, we'll soon be, we, who knows, we might be the largest division in the academy before too many years. So I think you know, one of the challenges for us is to figure out how do we best serve the entrepreneurship scholarly community, which is a particular challenge because our, com- our community is very heterogeneous, right? Now I haven't been involved in all other AOM divisions, but I've been involved in some that have a more, a much sort of narrower identity. You know, that's great. We, we try to have a big tent approach to defining the field or the division. In fact, just this last year, we worked on improving the language of our domain statement as listed on our, uh, on the division website with the goal, you know, of, you know, we don't want to define it so broadly that everything in the universe is entrepreneurship. But we don't want to define it so narrowly that we exclude people who, who feel like they're part of the entrepreneurship community. So trying to strike that balance in a way that is accommodating, uh, you know, that was the main challenge faced by the group that was working on revising the domain statement. I think we did it pretty well. But like I said, we try to have a big tent approach. Now, that is great because it welcomes a lot of people into the community. It can also be a challenge in that, you know, putting together activities and look, the entrepreneurship journals face this problem too. When do you, when do you reject a paper because it's not entrepreneurship enough? Well, with a pretty broad definition, definition of entrepreneurship, uh, that's not an easy call to make. And so I think that the opportunity for us as a division is that we, that we are so broad, right? That we're dealing with issues and theories and and phenomena that apply across the whole range of issues of interest in the Academy of Management. Um, But that also raises the challenge. We don't want to be so unfocused that our offerings are not appealing, you know, to people who want to know more about entrepreneurship and engage with other entrepreneurship scholars. Finding that balance, I think, is, is the challenge for us. No, that's great. It's interesting to kind of have a more inside view of where you see this going, right? Because it's not something we get a lot of, like we can read the the domain statement or maybe hear some people talk about it, but it's kind of nice to get like a first person account of where you see this going. Yeah. I mean, w- one of the things that I've tried to, uh, you know, w- one of my focus areas during the last year in my year as division chair is And I I don't mean that my predecessors have not also thought this way, but to try to, as much as possible, 
make our routine operations go more smoothly and almost be sort of more automatic so that we can spend more time thinking about, about exactly this. What is entrepreneurship and what is the role of a professional society to support entrepreneurship researchers and teachers and practitioners? How do we do that better? What are some new you know, activities and initiatives, new outputs like this podcast series uh, that we can deliver that will add value to our members? How do we how do we take advantage of what we, the skills that we have now to make the annual meeting better for everybody in the future? Does that mean a hybrid model? Some in person, but some distanced. Uh, you know, we're all used to a model. We were used to a model before COVID where you have, you know, this really intense three, four, five day period of meetings and sessions and social events. And, you know, you're, it's, it's exhilarating and it's exhausting. And at the end of the conference, you just want to go home and take a nap for like three days straight. Do we continue to do it that way? I mean, if we're doing things virtually, do we need to have all of the PDWs and symposia and papers within that four or five day window? Or do we spread them out over a month or over six months, or over 12 months? We can have a PDW every week. And get the whole PDW program spread out, you know, over a long period of time if we did them virtually. Is that a good idea? I don't know. But rather than just revert back to doing things exactly the way we did them before this experience of the last 12 to 18 months, why don't we think about how to leverage these new capabilities to do things better? How do we add value to our members through non-traditional means throughout the year, not just during AOM week? These are the kinds of issues that the executive committee has been wrestling with over the last year. And I don't know that we have the answers, but we have some things in place, some new structures and processes in place to help us to do that and to do that better. So in respect of your time, the last question we kind of want to end with is based on where you are in your career, you know, you've had a lot of experiences that you may not have expected as a PhD student. So if you could give yourself advice for when you had started your PhD program, looking back now, what would be the one piece of advice you'd give to yourself? That is a great question. I think the advice I would give my younger self is to be a little bit better of a planner I was not a great career planner when I was a doctoral student. I was kind of like, woo, this is fun. You know, I can't believe I'm around all these smart people and having these interesting conversations. And yeah, of course, I'll write a dissertation. I'll get a job. It'll be fine. Right. I didn't, I wasn't that thoughtful and deliberate in kind of, you know, sequencing what I was going to, how I would do things. What I advise new doctoral students is, you know, you want to have some kind of a plan, you know, five-year plan, 10-year plan, 20-year plan. Why am I doing this? Where do I want to be in five years? Well, I want to have completed my dissertation and gotten a great job and be hired in a tenure-track position. Where do I want to be in 10 years? I want to be a tenured professor of XYZ doing this. You know, if you kind of start with the end, with the end goal and then work backwards and figure out what are the necessary steps what do I need to do now to make it more likely that in five years, I'm actually there at my five-year goal and 10 years, 15 years, 20 years. And it's, it's, it's much easier to do that now. There's so much great information available online about how to have an academic career, how to manage a career, 
communication is so easy. Ask your professors, ask people like me that you've met and say, hey, or, or here's another way to do it. Find a person who is doing the thing that you want to do, right? This applies in many walks of life and ask them, how did they, how did they get there? And make sure you're not missing a step now that, you know, later you'll regret, oh gosh, I wish I had been more forward thinking. So I was kind of at one end of the extreme in terms of not being forward thinking enough. Now there's some people, you know, there's an opposite error too of being too rigid. I mean, look, you're entrepreneurship scholars, right? You want to be an entrepreneur, meaning you have a plan, but you recognize that there's a lot of uncertainty, right? And you need to be prepared to, uh, you know, if some if something that looks like a great opportunity falls into your lap that you weren't anticipating, maybe you want to take advantage of it. You may need to do a pivot at some point in your career. We all have multiple pivots, right? And so you don't want to be so rigid that you miss out on uh, being able to take advantage of unexpected changes in what's around you, right? So you want to be, you know, again, it's kind of a happy medium. Have a plan, but be prepared to deviate from that plan in a smart and, and strategic way. Um, that's the advice that I would give my younger self because I really didn't do a lot of that. I was just kind of along for the ride and I made some choices that probably I would have been a lot better off if I'd made different choices, but I just wasn't, I was too myopic in my thinking. No, no one strategy is perfect for everybody, but I always tell students the, the mistake to avoid is being uninformed, right? Be informed about the possible career paths and strategies and make wise choices, you know, be realistic about trade-offs, make the decision that seems best to you. You know, it may not be the same as somebody else's decision. That's fine. Just, you know, be informed and be smart about what you do. I think that's the best advice that, that I could give to, to you or to, to the younger version of me. Well, that's it. That's all we have for today. Thank you very much for doing this. We really appreciate this initiative. It's an honor for me to get to be your, your, your first official guest. And I look forward to listening to, to not mine, but all the other episodes that you'll do uh, in the future. And uh, uh, thanks a lot for your service to the division. Thank you so much for joining us, Peter. It was so nice to have you and hear all about your insights about the division. And we really appreciate you taking the time out of your day. For everyone else that's out there listening, we look forward to your questions for our next episode. Keep an eye out on our social media channels for the AOM Entrepreneurship Division to see who our next guests will be. And then you'll be able to send questions. If you have any suggestions about future guests or questions you'd like to have, don't forget to send them to our email address, p-m-i-e-n-t-p-o-d at gmail.com. And we look forward to seeing you next time. Thanks, everyone. Thanks so much, everybody.